Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. even be doing this. We got the quarterback of Duke University sitting right here, my boy Thomas Skirt. What's up, man? Love that guy. Hey, um, any, any Panthers fans in the house? Seriously? Any, uh, any Broncos fans in the house? I got to tell you, man, this is one of those unique Super Bowls where I, I could actually be thrilled either way. Like, I am a big Peyton Manning fan. When he was at the Colts, <clears throat> I go to a, y'all, most of y'all know this, I go to a game in Indianapolis. I got a good friend who lives there and he gives me tickets. So I go to an Indianapolis Colts game about um, every year, sometimes two games a year. Then Manning goes to the Broncos. My mom lives in Denver. So like I would love to see Peyton Manning win and ride out in the sunset. You know what I'm saying? But, but, that's a big old but. I'm a Carolina boy, born and bred. And so um, I, I, like, I like the Panthers. I like, I like Cam Newton. I like him. MVP player, just got that. Um, I like him a lot. Unbelievable talent. Unbelievable talent. He, he, he rubs me the wrong way a little bit. He, he's quite arrogant and obnoxious. Um, but, and I don't, I don't like that in athletes, but the dude can play. And here's one of the things I really love about him. He started this trend, and if you've watched football, you know when they score, when they score a touchdown, Cam, and now other players do it on their team, Cam will go, no, he, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the dab. Cam will take the football, and he'll find a little kid somewhere, and he'll give them the football. Have you seen this? It's actually a very special moment that's kind of taken over the Panthers organization. So I thought today we would give a football to a kid. Now, I know we're an adult-oriented service, so we don't have little children in here. We send the little children to Hopetown where it's age-appropriate, where they get discipled on their level. It's very, very important. They receive Christ over there. They learn over there. Besides that, in here, we speak about some grown-up stuff. This is an adult-oriented service. So philosophically, practically, ministry-wise, we are committed like never before to age-appropriate environments. And some of you came just for that because you've never really heard us talk about that. But, so I know there's a kid in here somewhere, though, not the little ones because they're in Hopetown. So I need to, if you're a kid, stand up. If you're a kid, stand up. <laughs> Sit down. You're not a kid. That's my boy. That's my boy right there. Oh, by the way, they're doing this at the campuses. The campus pastors are doing it right now. I want to get a young kid, a young kid. Stand, stand up. You catch it? You catch it? Oh, he caught it. He caught it. He, he fumbled it. Did you see it? He fumbled it in the air, but he caught it on the way down. That's all right, right? Every campus is doing that right now. So, that's, hey, let's just welcome all the campuses. Come on, give it up. All the campuses, 10, 
10 strong. I'm not going to list them by name today, but I do come bringing great praise to you. Last week, we saw well over 100, 100 uh, people receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and, and 429 people showed up at Hillsboro's grand opening. What? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, y'all want me to preach with my hat on or off? Seriously? Huh? I'll leave it on for a little bit, but I might, I might take it off before long. Hey, last week, last week, um, I, I, I poured a pile of brick out here. And, and I reminded you that the truth is we serve a God who rebuilds broken things. And, I, and I, I shared my story with you and, and showed you just how broken I was. And let me just kind of follow that up with I am. I'm still a very broken man. But I believe you don't get through this broken world without being broken. I believe you, some of you came just for that. You don't, I don't think you mature and get through this broken world without being broken. And I mean broken in the right places. I'm not talking about just being a jacked up, dysfunctional, broken person all your life. But I'm talking about bro. I'm glad you enjoyed that so much, there, bro. Um, I'm talking about being broken in the right places, broken in humility, broken in contrition, broken in gratitude for a God who has reached down and taken a rubble of your life, and He is building something beautiful. And we talked about that last weekend. And I pointed out that if you read the book of Nehemiah, you find out that they had a lot of problems. And I asked you last week, like, how many of you got, how many of you got problems in your life? How, how, come on, just do it again. How many, how many of you got problems? How many of you got lots of problems? <laughs> right. And, and there's a, always a few people, kind of hyper-spiritual people. You know, you're sitting there, you're going, I don't have any problems. I'm saved and I'm going to heaven and everything is good. <laughs> and you people who have problems, you are just a problem to me. <laughs> and, and, and if that's you, man, praise God for you. And like if you, if you don't have any problems but you would like some, check it out. Call the church office tomorrow. <laughs> we will assign you some problems because we got plenty of them. And, and Nehemiah, Nehemiah is 800 miles away from home. He's a cupbearer to the king. His brothers come to him and tell him, our home place. Y'all, some of you know, you may you just connect. You know when you ride into your hometown, there's just something about going home. Our, home. our home is destroyed. Babylon rolled in and they destroyed our, our security. They destroyed our walls. The walls were sacred. The walls, if you remember from week one, and by the way, you can get the whole series today in the resource center. The walls I taught you during the first week or so, the walls are to keep evil out. And I, I told you how Gates let prosperity in. Walls do what? They keep evil out. And gates do what? They let prosperity in. And so I, I talked to you about how we need, we need walls and we need gates in our lives. That's not going to stay, but I don't care. <laughs> um, and then I told you about picking up a shovel, man, and, and going to work. And Nehemiah teaches us about the way in which God is a God who rebuilds broken things. Hallelujah. And if you just step back for a moment, because it is Vision Day 2, because I didn't get through Vision Day 2, Vision Day 1 last week, because you folks blessed me so much. And can I just take a moment and just say thank you? You, um, 
You have no idea how much you encouraged me last week with my 25th ministry anniversary. You have no idea. And I might share a little bit later today about a season that I've come through. But what you did last Sunday was so encouraging to me. And I just, I just wanted to say thank you to you. And because of that, I'm picking up where I left off last week. And if you just stop and think about our vision, three words. What's our vision, church? You're amazing. Say it again. Well, have you ever really stopped and think, thought for a moment, what are we reaching? We're reaching broken people. We're reaching broken people, regardless of skin color, regardless of socioeconomic levels, regardless of what you did last night, regardless of what side of tracks you were born on. We desire to reach people because people matter to God, therefore they matter to us. What do we teach? We, we teach the Bible because it is in the Bible that God instructs us and rebuilds our lives. And then we release fully devoted followers of Jesus and other churches. We believe in blessing other churches and other churches to go out and reach more people. Nehemiah and the vision of this church go hand in hand. When you think about it, that's what we started 14 years ago. We just had a passion to see God rebuild broken things. And Nehemiah is 800 miles from home. Like I said, his brothers come to him. He's under attack. There is a war. And he found himself leadership of the king with great influence reporting to the king. And it is here that we pick up in Nehemiah chapter 1. I want to read that few verses just one more time. I know we've already looked at it. But it's a great verse to end on because this is where we started about five weeks ago. You're thankful for the word of God. Say, bring it. Bring it. Nehemiah 1, 4 and 6. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Go. When I heard these things, I sat down and for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night. Let's pray together. Father, um, may we be like Nehemiah. May we in the midst of our problems and in the midst of our trials, may we pray before you day and night. God, may you pour out your spirit upon your word today. May it be faithfully and rightfully proclaimed. God, would you take our minds and think through them today? Lord Jesus, would you take our hearts and fill with them today? Lord, would you take my lips and speak through them? For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. And the people of God said together, Amen. Amen. Hey, if you're a note taker, grab your teaching notes. You got it on your way in. Grab your teaching notes and write down. Here's this thing that if we're going to go into the future like never before, if we're going to embrace this vision like never before, we need to learn to pray for the broken. Need to learn to pray for what? The broken. You see, how do we address the brokenness in our world? 
How do you address the brokenness in your life? Go to Barnes & Noble and pick up a pop psychology book? How, how do you address the brokenness in the world in which we live? I would say to you the number one thing that God is impressing upon my heart as we move into this new season is that we need to be a people of prayer. We need to take the prayer temperature of this church and move it higher and higher. Can I get an amen? Now, I've been encouraging you to read the book of Nehemiah. And if you haven't, it's not too late to start. But if you read the book of Nehemiah, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find a book that will talk to you a lot about being a leader. Regardless of what you do. Regardless of your education or vocation. Leadership in the home, leadership wherever. Nehemiah is one of the most leadership-packed books in the entire Bible. But we don't realize this. Most people know that. Most people don't know this next thing. Nehemiah is a prayer journal. Nehemiah was a man of great prayer. In fact, did you know that the longest prayer in all of Scripture is found in the book of Nehemiah? Nehemiah prays over and over and over again. And what God has been impressing upon my heart as we move into this next season is that we need to get back to praying for broken people. That means praying for yourself. That means because you're broken. That means praying for your kids. That means praying for your vocation. That means praying for your life. That means praying for me. As I was thinking about this this week, I remembered something. It's, it's kind of embarrassing, but it's just a normal Sunday, right? I just sit up here and tell you all my stuff. And you walk away going, man, that dude is jacked up. I feel, I feel better about myself. Um, <laughs> I, I remember um, 14 years ago, we were starting this church, and we, we sent out a series of mailers in the mail, postcards. And in those days, I, I delivered the postcards. And um, the, the, the printer would print them, and then I would go get them because we were Poe. Not poor, we were Poe. And I'd make multiple trips from the printer to the post office. And when they were on the loading dock of the post office, I would, I know it's embarrassing, I would lay out on top of this big mound of mailers, like 40,000 mailers. And I would get down, prostrate before the Lord, and just and just pray over the mailers. One time the, the post officer guru, the, the, the postmaster, the postmaster came around the corner and found me laying out on this mound of mailers. I thought he was going to call the law. But, but back then, man, we just prayed and prayed and prayed. See, we got to remember that we need to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. We need to remember that Jesus Christ himself, himself said, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you've turned it into a den of robbers. When we work, church, listen, when we work, we just work. But when we pray, God works. And I'm calling us as a church to come out and pick up the prayer temperature around here. I need your prayers. Your marriage needs your prayers. Your children need your prayers. Your vocation needs your prayers. And on Sundays now, we're going we're gonna to come. And every single Sunday, I'm going to invite anybody who desires to have prayer I'm going to invite you when the service is over, whoever's doing the send-off, I'm going to invite you to come over here to what we're calling, check this out, 
the Nehemiah prayer room. The Nehemiah from this series, Great and Awesome in Nehemiah. And, and you're going to be able to come over here. And there is going to be a, a TV right here welcoming you. And there's going to be a team of people here who are ready and able and trained to pray over you. It's going to be a little platform over here where somebody can stand and welcome. And then there's going to be all this nice leather furniture in here and candles and stuff for people to come in here and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Or somebody just to put their arm around you and welcome you to the family of God and pray over you. This is, this is and now we haven't, we haven't launched this yet because it's not ready. <laughs> we just got in the building. We're still trying to get all this ready. You can look at me now. You're all looking at the screen. That's weird. <laughs> I'm looking at you ready to talk to you and you're all going. <laughs> I get it. I know that that's, that's how it goes. Who's excited about the Nehemiah prayer room? And you balcony folks, you might be thinking, well, well how, do I, how do I get there? We're going to have a giant slide. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Hey, that would be awesome, though. You just come down and you just, you just go into the prayer room. If you're a note taker, write this down. Here's the second. What's the first thing? Bless me and tell me you're following me so far. Pray for the what? I want to call you out, church, to pray like never before. Here's the second thing. Persevere through the problems. Persevere through the problems. You got to persevere. Now, now listen closely. This is what Nehemiah did. When Nehemiah left the area 800 miles away and he decided to return back home and he decided to be used of God, that's when the problem started coming. Now see, that's a lesson in and of itself. Some of you need to be warned. If you are going to live your life on point, if you are going to ascend to greatness and allow God to use you for great and awesome things, not for your own glory, not for your own fame, but to the glory and honor of God, when and if you decide to do that, get ready because the problems will come your way. If you're living life and you have no problems whatsoever, if you're living your life and Satan is not attacking you in any way whatsoever, I hate to break it to you, but you are not a threat to Satan. Nehemiah got his life focused on doing something great for God, and that is when the problems really came his way. Have you ever just felt like, the problems in life were just pounding up against the shore of your life? Have you ever just felt like the problems were so big they were overwhelming and you couldn't handle it? When you realize that, you're getting really close to a good place because there's really nowhere else to go but on your knees. President Abraham Lincoln, this is not even in my notes or on the screen, but President Abraham Lincoln once said this, there have been many times in my life when I realized I had nowhere else to go but on my knees. If you're a football fan, I, I tweeted this this morning, by the way. I said, if you're more excited about the football game this afternoon than you are coming to church, you might be losing at life. 
If you can't say amen, say ouch. Some of you couldn't sleep last night. You were so daggum excited, not because of church. Because of your Super Bowl party and those nachos. And those wings. Glory, hallelujah. If you know football, you know that the, the Panthers, Carolina Panthers, they have, a, they have a, a slogan this year. It's actually on the back of this jersey up under here. I saw it when I was putting it on. You know what it, you know what it is? It, it, you got it. Keep pounding, keep pounding, keep pounding, keep pounding, keep pounding. When the going gets tough, keep pounding. When life gets hard, keep pounding. When you don't know where tomorrow's going to take you, keep pounding. When the enemy keeps coming at you, keep pounding, keep pounding, keep pounding. You got to persevere through the problems. You, life is not for the faint of heart, especially the 21st century. You got to persevere through the problems. About four weeks ago, I was invited to speak in Cary at a thing called the Dream Fest. It was a special event in honor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I, I mentioned it to you one Sunday. I didn't know how you were going to come up. And you hope you took over the place. Y'all yeah. took over the place. I mean, it was like unbelievable. New hopers wall to wall. And um, as I was getting ready for that, I, I didn't mention it that day, but I remembered in, in my days at Duke when I took a class on the, the Preacher King is what it was called. That was the name of the class. When I took this class on Preacher King, I remember learning about that infamous night where Dr. King is in his kitchen. If you've watched any movies on Dr. King, they almost always show this scene. It's the scene where they, they, they light the cross in his yard. And the racist, evil men then call Dr. King. And he's sitting at his kitchen table. And he picks up the phone and he says, hello. And here's what the man on the other end of the line said. Martin, if you keep preaching what you are preaching, we will kill you. We will kill your wife, and we will kill your daughter. And they hung up the phone. And King would share later how he just bowed his head at the kitchen table like Nehemiah, and he just wept. And he prayed like Nehemiah. And he would later tell that in that very moment that unmistakable, still, small voice of God said, Martin, you keep preaching and I will be with you wherever you go. Just keep preaching. Just keep pounding. Just persevere through the problems. Some of you came here today and you need to hear just that. Your problems are hitting against the shore of your life and they're so big and you don't know which way is up or down or left or right. You just keep pounding. Getting through life is a lot like learning to ride a bike. You just keep moving forward. You just press on and persevere in the problems. Paul would say this in Romans chapter 5, 
verses 3 and 5. Come on, read it with me. Romans 5, 3 and 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Good job. Come on, church. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance and character hope. Now, let's continue. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. You keep pounding. You keep praying for the broken. You keep persevering through your problems. You know why I can preach this so passionately? This is where I've been the last 18 months. You have no idea what last Sunday did with me because I'm in the process of coming out of the hardest season of my life. And it, it went on for about 18 months. And you might say, well, Pastor, why didn't you tell us? We love you. We're your church family. I couldn't talk about it. I'm sitting here looking at some members of my personnel team who, who journeyed with me through this season as I wept before them. I didn't know how much I was going to tell you today, but I just will tell you just a few things. I didn't, I didn't want to do this anymore. Like I would literally preach out here and you would hoot and holler and clap and amen. And thank you when you do that, by the way, I love that. I love that because I know you're not clapping for me. You're clapping for God and what he's doing in me and through you and all that. Amen. Let's be clear. It's not me. It's not me. It's God. But we would get finished having these awesome Sunday celebrations. And I would often walk off this stage and I would go back behind that curtain. And back there is a prayer closet. It's a little old small prayer closet that I got designed into the building so I could pray on Sunday mornings before and after walking out here on the stage. And I would walk into that little prayer closet and I would collapse and look into a mirror, and I would say to God, and I would say to self, I don't want to do this anymore. I'd lost my joy. The problems were just so big. We were dealing with, a, with an issue with our neighbors, if you don't know about that. We... We were dealing with an issue where we were legal with our music volume, but they were still complaining. So every single Sunday, there were cops in the parking lot, and you thought they were here just to direct traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Only two of them were here for that. The others were here because cops have to respond to a 911. And it went on and on and on for a year. Lawyers and lawyer fees. And all I wanted to do was preach the gospel. All I wanted to do was love our neighbors, but stay true to who we were. So then we went to court. Like some of you went down there, you showed up for that too, man. Wow. The judge was blown away. And like you, some of you are sitting there going, I didn't know. Just Google my name. You'll see. 
We packed the courthouse. The judge, thanks be to God, threw the thing out in 49 seconds. Said it was the stupidest thing she'd ever heard brought to her in the courthouse. But yeah, I can clap too, but I still had to come back here and deal with it on Monday. And Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And then maybe it was ministry burnout. I don't know. It was burnout. It was that. It was some other stuff that I'm still processing. But I was done. Like stick a fork in me, done. Like you didn't know. I, <laughs> I romanticized on a regular basis. Here was my romantic fantasy. I would drive out of here on a Sunday. I would go and buy a house in the country, a farmhouse with a lot of land and a tire swing for my children and a John Deere tractor. And I was going to live off the land. I was going to plant corn. And soybeans, not tobacco. That'll kill you. <laughs> like I was, I was done, church, done. And I couldn't talk to you about it. How do you talk about that? I shared with the personnel team. That's a team of six to nine lay folks who journey with me. They're not staff. They just journey with me and I report to them. I'm accountable to them. And then I shared with the staff. The staff knew, but they could, I couldn't tell them for about six months into it. But the good news is I just kept pounding. And I got help. And I started inviting more and more people into this journey that I was on. And, and the good news is I just stopped by to let you know that Romans 5 is where it's at. Romans 5, and suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. And I just want to let you know the boy's back. I got my joy back. I got my, I got my skip and my step back. We got the church back. And here's the good news. We just came through Hope Rising. Here's the great news. I haven't shared this yet. Guess what? We, we spent additional money, money to put sound attenuation into this building. We dropped an extra ceiling. You're not sitting under one roof, beloved. You're sitting under two roofs. And sound attenuation and, 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 and volume dispensers and offices are over there. And the neighbors are happy and we are happy and we are well on our way. Come on, somebody, and celebrate. Praise God, he still moves stones. Yes, yes. And we love our neighbors, let me be clear. And we pray for our neighbors. And to the best of our ability, they are happy as can be. And so are we. And that just rhymed. I'm a poet, and I didn't even know it. I make them rhyme every time. Here's the third thing. Write it down. Third thing. Here we go. Woo! Prepare for promotion. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. The first one is what? Pray for the broken. 
The second thing is what? Persevere through the problem. Here's the third thing. Some of you came. This is going to bless your socks off today. If you will hear it, the Spirit of God has been whispering to me, you got to prepare for the promotion. You have come through the trials. You have come through the storm. It is now time for you to prepare for the promotion. Everybody say, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. The promotion is coming. The promotion is coming. And this I can break this down personally for you, or I can break this down for you as a church. Let me just start personally, because I love you as a person. Some of you are in seasons right now, and you won't put your eyes on the season. Instead, you're focused on the promotion. You don't know that what God wants to do in your life is he wants to work in your life right where you are. You aren't ready for the promotion yet. See, see, I wasn't ready for the promotion yet. I had to be prepared for the promotion. What God wants to do is often change you and shape you and mold you right where you are because you aren't ready for where he wants to take you. Oh, my Lord, am I talking to anybody up in here today? See, see, our problem, my problem is that we want to focus on the promotion instead of the process. We want to focus on the praise instead of the preparation of Romans 5, 3, and 5. See, God's got great plans for you. But some of you are so focused on the future that you aren't paying any attention to what he wants to do in your life right here and right now. I see this when I speak to pastors all over the country. They look at you. They look at New Hope. And, and especially church planters, they just start the church. And they're like, they start asking questions. And it doesn't take me long at all to figure out, here's what they want to do. They want to short-circuit all the hard work. They want to short-circuit all the process. And they want to get to the praise. You don't get the praise without the process. You don't get the promotion without the preparation. Come on, am I talking to anybody up in here today? Some of you need to just focus on where you are. Vocationally. Relationally emotionally you need to let God place you on the anvil of his transformative work because you aren't ready for the promotion you think you are but God's got a lot of work to do in your life before he's gonna unleash the promotion God's got a lot of preparation in your life before he's gonna release the praise in your life let me tell you a quote. This will change your life. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said it way before I did. The worst thing that can happen to a man is that he succeeds before he is ready. What does God need to do in your life before he can take you to higher heights and deeper depths? What does God need to do in your educational life, your vocational life, your relational life, your financial life. What does God need to do in preparing you so that you get ready for what is to come? This is key. This is, you got to, there's nothing wrong with being visionary and looking into the future, but some of us get too visionary and too focused on the future and the praise and the promotion that we totally miss what God's trying to do to get us from here to there. Amen. Nehemiah. Think about this for a moment. If you know your Bibles, you know this. Nehemiah started out as a cupbearer. 
He was a cupbearer to the king. King, what can I do for you? How much do you want? You want it hot, cold? Cream? <laughs> and if he messes it off, it could be off with your head. He started out as a cupbearer. Then he became a wall builder. Promotion. Keep reading your Bibles. After he became a wall builder, he became governor. Now here's what you'll find if you read the book of Nehemiah. At every juncture along the way, Nehemiah had to think differently. He had to act differently. He had to pray differently. He had to lead differently. You're never going to get where you want to go until you let God do what he wants to do in your life here and now. And then you learn to reinvent yourself at every juncture along the way. So some might say, and they would be right, this church is not what it used to be. This pastor is not what he used to be. God's got a future for us, and he's about to send us into an area of promotion. Promotion. So we might as well prepare for it, church. We might as well get ready to the fact that God is about to unleash greater levels of influence on this church like we've never seen before. Is anybody here that would agree with me that we've only been scratching the surface for the first 14 years of this church's life? Come on, somebody. God's going to unleash greater levels of influence and kindness in this church's life so that we reach people like we've never seen before. Black people, white people, yellow people, orange people, brown people, purple people eaters. I don't know. He's going to release us to reach all kinds of people. Because we haven't seen anything yet. Everybody say reach. I believe that through this upcoming series that we're about to start on Easter Sunday morning called The Story, where we as a church are going to study this book from Genesis to Revelation between March 27th and November 22nd, we are going to become a church family so grounded in the word of God I believe God's going to teach us like he has never taught us before if you will engage the series and make a commitment before almighty God that every single Sunday you're going to be in the house of the Lord with Bible in hand ready to study the word of God and I just believe that God's going to teach us through that series. And as a result, God's going to give us a biblical worldview. And we're going to build our lives upon the rock-solid foundation of the word of the Lord instead of what pop culture teaches us daily. Come on. If you believe it and you're fired up for it, everybody say, teach. I believe that God is going to enable us to take the resources that he has given us. And the missionaries that are going out on a regular basis and you leaving this campus or any of our campuses every Sunday and going into the mission field, I believe God is about to anoint us with such favor and kindness that we're going to be released into the world like never before. And we're going to see new hope spread in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. Hope or ask, Ephesians 3.20. You believe it? Let me hear you say release. release. 
And I told you last week about a video that I want to show you right now. And if this doesn't show you the scope of what New Hope is becoming, I don't know if anything will. His name is Peter Mowogli. He's from Kenya. This is your brother. He's in the Kenya campus. This is a story that I hope just so impacts you deep. You might want to pass the Kleenexes around. I'm just warning you. Notice what he says about Nazareth and the slums and reach, teach, and release. And Realize this is your brother, church. Realize that God has taken this little thing that started 14 years ago in East Chapel Hill High School when on Sunday mornings my wife and I would get in the bathroom and scrub the toilets because the janitor would show up three out of four Sundays of the month drunk. And we were just a motley crew and here we are now a part of a movement that's reaching into Kenya and Haiti and is changing the lives of people like Peter. Watch this. Being raised in a slum, someone could have said, I will emerge to nothing, but here I am today. I became a victor. My name is Peter Mwangi. My role in New Hope Church, I'm in charge of Hope Town. I'm the one who take care of the, the Hope Town as kids, making sure they know and understand the Word of God. I'm a walking testimony. I grew up in a slum. If you're not keen, you'll end up wasting your life. It's either you'll become a thief or you'll become a, a drunkard due to the way I was raised in a home and being shown the way of salvation. It helped me overcome many things in the slums. There is this movement that came called Mungiki. One day they, they killed a policeman. We were raided in the slum by the GSUs and uh, special forces. Those Mungikis are associated with the Kikuyu tribe. I knew that if I continue living in these slums, it's either I'll be killed by police because I'm a Kikuyu, or I will be arrested. I wanted to change my way of life. So I got a job with a bank. That the time uh, I got married. When I was uh, coming back from honeymoon, I was called from the office and I was told that I was needed urgently. There was a, uh, a letter for me, it was a termination letter. It was a challenge because I was like, okay, here I'm newly married. How will I be able to cater things, uh, day in, day out things for my family? My wife, became pregnant. God enabled her to give birth to uh, our son. When uh, he was uh, three months old, he started conversing. The conversion were increasing day in, day out. We were told that our son has a cerebral palsy. I was jobless 
my wife was the one who was who was working and i was questioning god and i was asking him why are you letting all these things to happen to me all along i've been faithful to you god responded to me and he asked me a question what is that that you have given me that your son is still alive even today and i was like okay I'm sorry God for asking those questions. There is nothing that I've given you to make my son to be alive. Since that day, I've been strong. He's one year, nine months. We are taking him for therapy. Now he can be able to move his legs. He can be able to sit, but not for, for long. It's my prayer and my desire that he will live for God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's your church family. There they are. New Hope Kenyon. It's a great privilege and honor. I serving in New Hope Church. I've seen a great family. They have shown us a great love. They have embrace us in those hard times. They have walked with us. They are living the word of God. Someone reached for me. Someone taught me and released me back to the community. And that's what I'm doing today. I reach to the children. I teach them. And it's my prayer and my desire that one day when they fully understand the word of God, I will release them to go and do the same thing. That's why I'm in, I'm in New Hope Church, so that that cycle can be able to continue. In those days of Jesus, listen to this. Listen. Those people look at Nazareth and said, "There is nothing good can come out of Nazareth." But guess what? That's where our Savior came from. Many people look at the slums, and many of these usually say there is nothing good can come out of, of slum but here i am today telling you god transformed my life great mm. and awesome mm. god mm. he has been to me wow So I just want to end with inviting you to chapter 3. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. Chapter 1 was that motley group of us launching this church in 2002. And from there we went, after worshiping at East Chapel Hill High School for two years, we then went to a little Catholic Church in downtown Chapel Hill where we were there for two years and then God moved us into a strip mall on Garrett Road where we were there for another two and a half years that was all chapter one chapter two we moved in to this building the first phase in 2009 and soon thereafter, we went multi-site. 
And we started launching these campuses in Garner and Sanford and Columbia and prison and Hillsboro and on and on and on. That was chapter 2. The end of chapter 2, the enemy about took me out. But our God is faithful. And chapter 3 is when we just stepped back into this newly renovated and expanded building and launched New Hope Hillsboro. We are moving into chapter 3. The question for you today is, are you in? Are you in? And if you are in, then I want to give you something today. It's a, it's a little gift, but it's a cool gift. I'm going to sign off to the campuses now, and the campus pastors are going to come out and lead all of you through this moment as I lead us here at the Durham campus. Love you guys at all the campuses. You are in great hands. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, just stop by one of our campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. Thanks for being a part of our church family and we hope you'll join us next week.